0: Thank you very much. Uh, Brilliant to be with you guys. Um, We're going to talk about how Christmas changes everything this morning. Should we do that? Talk about how Christmas changes everything. It certainly changed uh, the way I thought about God, the way I thought about life, the the way I thought about the shape of the world and where everything is heading. Uh, If we grasp Christmas, we really do grasp everything because Christmas really is that cosmic. Um, As I speak uh, on this I don't assume that uh, you're necessarily a Christian this morning. Uh, You might be checking some of this stuff out for the first time. And uh, so what I want to do with you all is to do a bit of an experiment, okay? The experiment is we're going to open up the Bible, we're going to have a look at what it says, and if you experience God speaking to you through this, then I guess you know it's God's Word, don't you? Because God's speaking to you through it. And so whether you've come here this morning thinking that the Bible is God's Word or not, why don't you put it to the test? I'm going to shoot up a prayer now, and I'm going to ask God, will you speak to us? And I'm going to pray that God would address each of us personally and powerfully in our hearts. And if you do sense God speaking to you, then I guess the Bible has proved itself, hasn't it? It's shown you that this is God's Word because this is God speaking to you. Uh, Let me pray for us. Let me pray. Our Father, we come to you as those who need to hear words of life, words of courage, words of hope. And so we pray that you would speak your words into our hearts with living power. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Now, my Christmases growing up were probably a bit different to yours. I don't know what your traditional Christmas scene is, but uh, I remember waking up very early in the morning, not just because I was so excited about the presents, but because the sunshine was just blazing through the curtains, you know? Because, I mean, Christmas is one of the longest days of the year, isn't it? Um, In Australia, anyway. And uh, I remember going down into the kitchen first thing in the morning to have a traditional Christmas breakfast, usually, you know, mango, slice of pineapple, tropical fruit, that sort of thing. And uh, we were a church-going family, so we'd go off to church on a, on a Christmas day, and I'd make sure that I was wearing my best board shorts and a surfer T-shirt. I ironed surfer T-shirt, just to, because it was a special occasion, right? And then we'd come home, we'd do the presents thing. Um, we did, did, did you notice we did church first? and then presents, right? It's called delayed gratification, people, and it's the secret of my success. So uh, so although I, I said that once in a service, and somebody came up to me afterwards and says, we don't open presents until after the Queen's speech. So, well, <laughs> la-dee-da. Is there anyone so emotionally intelligent that they do that? Is, is that? It's a hosier thing. Oh my goodness. It's a hosier thing. <laughs> But we, we would wait until after church, and then we'd tear open the presents, the same the world over. And then we'd have our Christmas lunch, um, something really, really tasty. So not turkey, because um, we'd we like to enjoy our Christmas lunch as opposed to eating that foul bird. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that turkey is disgusting. It's not turkey. It's, it's, it's not disgusting. It's just that turkey is inedible, don't you find? Just, it's, it is the, oh gosh tough crowd, this one. Come on, search your feelings. You know you don't like turkey. You're you're defending this peculiar tradition. (laughs) You you know you don't like it because you never have it on any other day of the year, do you, right? (laughs) It's, I mean, it's just, they say Death Valley is the driest place on planet Earth. No, it's your mouth five minutes after biting into that bird. It's the food equivalent of a dehumidifier, just sucking the moisture out of every cell in your body. So in Australia, we don't really go for the turkey thing. We have a barbecue or something nice like that. And then we'll go out and have a swim in the afternoon, play hours of backyard cricket. And then we'd round off with a traditional Australian carol. Uh, Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Jingle bells, jingle bells, Christmas time is butte. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a clapped out rusty ute. Uh, That was my Christmas. And uh, I'm sensing now, you're thinking, that's wrong, Glenn. (laughs) Stop getting Christmas wrong. That's not how it goes. Um, And I understand because it, it feels weird, doesn't it, to have a Christmas in which you celebrate your sunny circumstances. That doesn't sound like Christmas, does it? It sounds like Christmas ought to happen in dark places, oughtn't it? Uh, And actually, biblically speaking, you're right. Uh, Christmas is for dark times. Uh, I'm not talking about the weather, I am talking about the mood. All the famous Christmas verses from the Bible are all about this darkness. Have you noticed? So, Isaiah chapter 9, he was writing 700 years before the first Christmas. He's predicting the birth of the Messiah. And he says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep shadow, the light has dawned. Where are we when we celebrate darkness? We're in a land of deep shadow. The old King James translation translated that, we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a famous biblical phrase, have you heard it before? Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a powerful picture of what life on planet Earth is like. What is life on Earth like? It's it's, however many achievements whatever your performances, whatever your experiences, whatever the joys that we have on planet Earth, everything is overshadowed by death. We've had a real sense of that, haven't we, this year? You know, Every, every day at 5 p.m., do you remember the, the death toll being read? Right? And still, today, we, we hear every day that particular death toll But of course, 500,000 people in the UK will die this year, 500,000, which means there will be 500,000 empty chairs at Christmas lunch, and we will feel those losses very, very keenly. Death overshadows everything, every joy, every achievement, every experience. Death overshadows it. But that's where Christmas shows up. Those living in a land of deep shadow. To them, the light has dawned. You might think that you couldn't possibly celebrate Christmas this year. After 2020, how can we celebrate Christmas? Surely, COVID cancels Christmas, does it? No, COVID is the context for Christmas. Christmas is for dark times, for dark places. You might know this other famous verse, John chapter 1 read out at all the big carol services. It starts, in the beginning was the Word. It's a title for Jesus. He's the Word of God because he explains who God is. He's the communication of God. In the beginning was the Word. And it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This wonderful sense of Christmas being the Son of God, Jesus volunteering to come down. And in the midst of that chapter, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. But that's the context for Christmas. The context for Christmas is the light shining in the darkness. Think about those shepherds on the hill. Yeah, yeah, the the angels shine with a heavenly light, but they are in darkness. Or think of the end of the nativity story. It's the part of the story we never do with the kids. It's the part where Herod is... Threatened by the upstart Jesus, threatened by some other king of the Jews, and he orders a genocide. He orders that the the children under two years old, the boys, would be killed. And Jesus volunteers to join us in that context. Isn't that astonishing? That the one from on high would volunteer for such a deadly mission. They've got that phrase, don't they? Don't, Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Well, Jesus descends into a genocide, unarmed, defenseless, weak, as a wriggling baby. So much does he want to be light in our dark valley. So COVID does not cancel Christmas, does it? And Boris does not save Christmas, does he, right? Nobody saves Christmas. Christmas saves us. (laughs) Christmas is cosmic. Christmas is the time when the eternal Son of God volunteers to come down, to be with us, to be for us in this valley of deep shadow. So it's okay if 2020 has been a hell of a year because Christmas descends into our hell to make it his heaven. This is where Christmas really shines. Let's have a look at Galatians chapter 4. Here's a, here's a great Christmas passage. And on the next slide, we'll see just from verse 4. If you've got Bibles, you can read along in verse 4. And on the next slide, we'll see... Um, there we go. And we'll just stay on this, on this slide. That's great. When the time had fully come, Christmas time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Notice at the end... Paul, the guy writing this, he kind of divides humanity into two camps. You can either be a slave or a son, either a slave or a child. What's he saying? He's saying that there are two ways to live in life. There's there's one way of living in which you earn and achieve and strive and labor and work and climb and ascend and get on top, right? There's, There's one way of life that's... That's a ladder, okay? And it's all about working. You're earning it. I don't know what's at the top of your ladder. Some very religious people, the, the top of the ladder is God. And they will earn and ascend and climb and do it, right? You know, the, the Nike the, the, the Nike motto is their motto. Just do it, okay? God told you, just do it. Up, 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 up. It's the ladder. It's It's... Slavery, actually. There's another way to to live, and it's to be a child. What is it to be a child? Well, the kind of child that Paul has in mind here is the kind of child who says, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. It's, it's, It's a small child. A small child who does not earn, who cannot earn, who has no power to achieve, to climb, to ascend. A child just receives everything. And they're not precious about it. Kids, they, they just take and they take and they take and they take. <laughs> and they're, they're not embarrassed about it. You know, dad, can I have this? Dad, can I have that? Dad, can I have the other? Yeah, okay, fine, fine. And that's, that is that kind of relationship, isn't it? But the child receives, 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 receives. The slave earns, 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 earns. It's two ways to live. Which are you? And which do you fall into? So you, you, you might be a Christian here, and you think, you know, I've, I, guess, I guess the right answer is to be a child. But man, it feels like a burden. It feels like I'm never enough. It feels like everyone else is doing the Christian life a heck of a lot better than me. And I look on Facebook, and all the children on there look adorable. And, you know, people have just Instagrammed their window displays, and they've got Christmas together. And man, it feels like slavery, you know? We can veer off into that, can't we? Everyone, whatever your vision of life, whatever your vision of God, we default towards the slavery. You've got to do it yourself. It's down to you. You've got to climb. But there's this other way to live, and it's a beautiful way to live, to be a child with their father who can just receive everything. So how do you, how do you get that How do you come in on this kind of relationship? Well, Christmas. Christmas is how you come in. Because you don't climb up to God. He descends down to us. Verse 4, Galatians 4, verse 4. I'll read it out. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. Christmas is the time when the son of God comes all the way down. I don't know what your picture of God is. What is your picture of God? Whether you believe in him or not, everyone's got a picture of God. You know, people say to me, oh, don't talk to me about God, Glenn, I don't believe in him. And I always say, well, describe to me the God you don't believe in. And I press them. And eventually they say, I guess, um, distant, arms folded, beard, I believe, Um, thunderbolt somewhere to hand ready, (laughs) you know. And I say that's Zeus. <laughs> like I don't believe in Zeus. Which god don't you believe in? So it's a good question to ask. Which god do you believe in? When I was growing up, I used to think of God the way I thought of electricity, you know. Electricity is powerful. Electricity is inexplicable at least to my teenage mind. I didn't understand how electricity worked. I still don't understand how the electricity works. But that was like God, right? Distant, inexplicable. Powerful, you could harness it and use it in your life if you were clever, but if you got on the wrong side of it, zap, right? That was my vision of electricity. It's my vision of God as well. That my natural vision of God was just this impersonal, distant power, right? What does Christmas say? Christmas does not give us the God who hurls a thunderbolt. Here's a father who sends his son. This is not a distant. Power. This is the personal God who joins us in the midst of our dark valley. It's a very different kind of God that Christmas is revealing. When the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman. Born of a woman. Just, just think of it. You know, the, the, the Bible says, "Here is, here is who God is." Okay, we've got here Abba Father, right? That is. The source of all being, who has His Son. So God sent His Son right there at the top, second second line, His Son, and He's also middle right there. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Do you see how, when God pictures, when when the Bible pictures for us God, it pictures a family, the Father loving His Son in the joy of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the Bible's picture, and, and you see how the, the Spirit is the Spirit of His Son, and He's the Spirit who cries out the prayer of the Son, Abba, Father. Right? Do you see how intertwined they are? They can't be apart. These three are one. Okay? You might have heard the doctrine of the Trinity. Have you heard that? It's just a way of squashing two words together, three and unity, Try and unity, Try, unity trinity. You just squash those two things together. God is a loving union of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's not a maths problem. It's good news. It's good news that God is love, and you're invited. That's the good news. He's not Zeus. He's not electricity. He's a family of love, and you're invited. How? How's that going to work? Well, once again, you do not climb up to Him. No, When the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. He comes down. So God the son becomes God our brother. He enters into our human family. One from the divine family enters our human family. And he enters Mary's womb as a single cell. At four weeks, he's just the size of a watermelon pit. At six weeks, he's just the size of a baked bean. At 12 weeks, the size of a small tomato. At 20 weeks, the size of an orange. At 32 weeks, the size of a cabbage. I don't know why they always do food. Why do they always talk about food? (laughs) I guess because you don't want to think that you're giving birth to a bowling ball. I guess that's the kind of (laughs) (laughs) thing. But then, at full term, out comes God the Son, who has united himself to our human family, and he's done it decisively, irreversibly, and eternally. He's joined our human family forevermore, which means God the Son remains your brother, and it means a human hand will receive you into heaven, right? You can't wait to see him face to face. You will see his human face, right? Christmas guarantees it, God sent his son, born of a woman. And why am I emphasizing this? Because I want to show you that he's coming all the way down, all the way down into our humanity, all the way down into our pit, all the way down into our darkness. But then he starts living life in a totally new way. You and me, the darkness from out there, we find it in here too, don't we? We we can complain about death and darkness out in the world, but we find death and darkness in our hearts, don't we? Have you found that in 2020? You know, you you lock down with your loved ones. Do they feel particularly loved by you? Sometimes yes, sometimes less so. Do you enjoy being locked down with your loved ones? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. We love Christmas, don't we? We love Christmas because christmas is when we get together with family, right? Christmas is hard too, isn't it? Because we get together with family, right? And it's the people you love the most who you can end up harming the most. Isn't that? Isn't that horrible? What a horrible truth about the human heart. You would think that I would if I was going to harm anyone, it would be my fiercest enemies who I harm, right? Actually, it turns out that the person I'm capable of harming the most is the person I love the most. Have you ever harmed someone you love the most? In those moments, you want to say, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't know what came over me in that moment. Of course, none of it came over you. It all came out of you. It came out of that thing in there that's pumping out this, there's a darkness, don't you see? But Jesus came down into our human family and he started living life right. You read the biographies of Jesus, read the Gospels, you'll see Jesus. He's just love covered over in skin. He's, he is self-giving sacrifice in all his encounters. And we, where we are selfish screw-ups, he is this selfless sacrifice, spreading light, spreading life, spreading love wherever he goes. So he was born of a woman. He was born under law. You'll notice that phrase there. He's born under law, which means God has a good law. Here's here's how you live. You can summarize it in in two commands. Love God, love others. It's all about love, right? Very simple and impossible for us with our dark hearts. Just love God and love others. It sounds beautiful. It is beautiful. Sometimes we can almost kind of approximate it. (laughs) But then there is that darkness there. Jesus comes and loves God, loves others, purely, beautifully, perfectly. But then on that cross, what what does He do? Having lived a life of light and love, what does Jesus do? He dies a death in the darkness, in disconnection, disconnection from God, hated by the world, thrust up between heaven and earth, the loneliest man who ever lived. What's He doing? He's doing what he came to do at Christmas. He came at Christmas to descend down into our pit. And then on the cross, that's, that is the lowest point, right? When you see him in the manger, he is mid-descent. He's on his way down. Quite often people sort of talk about, you know, don't get too sidetracked by the manger. He grew up after the manger. Forget about the manger. He grew up. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he grew up, but I like to think he kept on stooping, actually. Where we see him in the manger, he is midfall. And after the manger, he keeps on stooping, serving, suffering, bleeding, loving, dying as a human sacrifice. At the end of those Gospels, what's he doing? He's taking our darkness and death and disconnection on himself. And then rising up again into light and life and love, and he says to us in the darkness, do you want my light? And he says to us in disconnection, he says, do you want my love? He says to us walking through the valley of the shadow of death, do you want my life? He does it all so that you receive the benefits of it. You see, he's born under law to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Don't earn it. That's that's a slave mentality. You can't climb up into heaven. It's a very, very long way. But he came all the way down. Do you want to receive him? Do you want to receive all that he's done for you? Then, when you receive him, you're in. Now you have the full rights of sons. You see, if you've received Christ, he brings you into his family. And all of a sudden, you get his father as your father. And you get his spirit as your spirit. And you get all the full rights of the Son of God given to you, including even inheritance. We've got the last word on our screen. You become an heir. This is, this is quite the Christmas present, don't you think? I love that verse in Isaiah 9. It says, to us a child is born. To us a son is given. I always picture this you know, picture of Jesus in the manger and there's a little gift tag around his ankle. And it just says, from God the Father, to you. And he's really given to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. It's a personal gift. To you, to you, to you. We haven't got enough time, but to you, to you, right? You can fill in the blanks. To you, really, really, really. This side as well. Even even this side. (laughs) To you. That you might just receive him. You know, what does a baby want from you? What does a baby want from you? Just receive him. There's a beautiful apocryphal tale told about the, uh, the nativity scene. And uh, obviously, it's not in the Bible. It's just a reimagining of, of the nativity scene. Can you imagine it's the, the sort of the chocolate box nativity? And you've got the wise men there giving their gold, their frankincense, and their myrrh. And you've got the smelly shepherds there as well, with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. There's Mary cradling Jesus. And the story asks us to imagine a poor shepherd who finds himself at the nativity, and he hasn't got anything to bring. He's come empty-handed, and that's the king she's holding. And he starts to feel out of place. And all the other shepherds are ribbing him, you know, some of them have brought a lamb, for instance, right? What have you, what have you brought the king? I, I didn't know. I, I had no idea. Should I... and of course, he feels very inferior when he looks at the three wise men, you know, gold, frankincense, myrrh, what have I got? I've got nothing. He's come empty-handed to Christmas. And just before he leaves, he notices a bit of a kerfuffle, because... Joseph has just received the gold and the frankincense from the wise men, and Mary needs to receive the myrrh, but she's got baby Jesus. She needs to offload Jesus. Who can she offload Jesus to? Well, the guy with nothing in his hands. He's the only one she can give Jesus to. And so this Loser, this smelly shepherd who's brought nothing to Christmas whatsoever, he ends up receiving everything. He gets given Jesus to you. He gets to hold Jesus, not because he's brought anything into the equation. We don't bring anything into the equation. If you think you can bring anything into that equation, you're thinking like a slave. You can't climb and grab and scratch and ascend and give to God. You must simply receive like a child. What do you bring to Christmas? You bring nothing. Perfect. Perfect. Bring your nothing and receive his everything. In Christ, you are now part of the family. And you get Christ's Father as your Father. You get to call him Abba Father. That's an incredible intimacy. You know, if you called the Queen Liz, that would just be rude. You wouldn't if you call the Queen Liz, you're, you're not even making any claim on her. You're not saying that, you know, you're in the family or anything. But when you call God Most High Abba Father, you're saying you're in the family now. Do you notice the the, the intimacy of this? Brought near. Abba, Father, it's the first word that you would say, Abba, in the Aramaic language, in so many languages, Abba, Abba, Abba. It's a term of deep intimacy and deep respect. We can call the emperor of the cosmos Abba, Father. Why? Because we've received God the Son, and we've been filled with God the Spirit, who is himself praying Abba, Father in us. Did you notice that? Who, who's actually praying Abba, Father here? Spirit? Spirit. Like, you don't even offer God your prayers. <laughs> You've got to receive even your prayer life. That's how empty handed we are. You receive the Spirit who now puts the perfect prayer of Jesus into your heart. And now, Abba Father is your spiritual heartbeat. Isn't that amazing? What have you brought? Nothing. What did you do? Nothing. We are full of darkness. He brings his light. He does everything. That's the true meaning of Christmas. It's a revolution, isn't it? Don't live as a slave with this servant mentality of earning, working, ascending. Christmas is the ultimate present. God the Son, God the Father gives you his Son, gives you his Spirit, Gives you Christ's inheritance. He gives you heaven and earth. Will you receive him? In a second, I'm just going to offer some words where you can pray to God and just say, I want to receive Jesus. What would that mean? It would mean saying, God, I recognize that there's darkness in me. There's darkness out there, and there's darkness in me, and I'm sorry, but I want to receive Jesus. I want him to be my Lord, my leader, to lead me through this dark valley. I want him to be my strong elder brother, to take on the enemy for me. I want your spirit, Father, to fill me, that I might know intimacy with you. And I want to walk with you through this world and out into your future. That's what I'm going to pray. Do you want to say yes to Jesus? Why don't we bow our heads? I'm going to offer words just like this. The words are not magic, but it's a way of responding to the ultimate Christmas present. And you might want to echo these words in your heart. Let's pray. Dear Father, how amazing that we can call you Father. I'm sorry for getting you wrong, for thinking that you were distant, uninterested, not there. I'm sorry for my darkness, please forgive me. But I want your son. I want to receive him. I want him to be my Lord and my leader. I need him for this dark valley. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to know your fatherly goodness. Walk with me through this dark valley and into your future.